So I'll be speaking uh, this morning, and sorry that that uh, didn't get through to the notice board, in case you're expecting a silent morning sitting. Uh, it's my intention to continue the reflecting on the, the primary areas of uh, attention in the practice that we're invited to explore. Yesterday, Rob was speaking about the body as the first foundation of mindfulness that the Buddha spoke about, the real importance of connecting with that aspect and expression of our experience. The second foundation of mindfulness that the Buddha spoke of as a primary reference for our attention is the the field of what is called Vedana, or feeling tone. And this is something which it's very important to understand the significance of, to see the place it plays in the way we experience our lives and ourselves. As a the, the, the quality or the sense of Vedana is concerned with the aspect of experience where we feel things to be either pleasant, pleasurable, enjoyable, or painful, unpleasant, undesired, or as neither painful nor pleasant, neither painful nor unpainful, a neutral quality. And all experience, every moment of experience, has this aspect to it. And it's this aspect of the experience that's present in all experience which conditions the reactivity that leads to suffering. In, in the uh, teaching of dependent origination, which is the, the Buddha's unpacking of the, the process of how we become entangled with experience and equally how we can liberate ourselves in the midst of experience, see that uh, having a body with sense, sensory capacity, eyes, ears, nose, tongue, tactile sensory capacity, <coughs> and the mind, that we're touched, we experience contact with the world through sound, sight, smell, taste, touch, and thought. And every moment, every instance of taste, touch, smell, sound, And thought has that quality to it. (coughs) It's either pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. What we see, if we give attention to this field of experience, what we see is that it's our instinctive, habitual, and mostly unconscious reaction to the pleasant that we want to grasp hold of it, we want to take it for our own, we want to possess it, 
to continue it, to maintain and sustain it. And then, should it disappear, we want to bring it back again. And this is the basis of a large amount of human activity, the seeking to hold on to the pleasant. In one sense, it's kind of, you know, Dharma 101, and I'm sure you're all very familiar with it. And another level, it's always useful just to come back and reflect on the power of that pull, to begin to see where in our own experience we notice the pull to take hold of or to keep hold of the pleasurable, the pleasant, the enjoyable. With the unpleasant experience, the conditioned, habitual and often unconscious reaction is to resist, to push away, to react with aversion, closing down, contracting. And with the neutral experience, it's neither pleasant nor unpleasant, the habitual and often unconscious reaction of the conditioned mind is to disconnect from it, to be uninterested in actually meeting the experience or even knowing it at all. And this, I think, is very interesting to reflect on in that it explains why for many of us it can be quite challenging to be just present with the experience of breathing or body when there's nothing particularly difficult going on, there's nothing particularly enjoyable happening. It's just being here and easily the thought can arise in the mind, that's boring, there's nothing here for me. We don't even see the thought, we're busy looking for some excitement or entertainment in the realm of fantasy or memory. Or we're looking for some kind of problem in fears, anxieties, something to get involved with. So it's useful to be aware of that quality of the experience and at times to make it a a priority really to clearly identify that within each moment. To know, ah, as we're breathing in, that in this moment the breath might feel pleasant or pleasurable. And if it does, to be aware, is there a tendency to wish for this kind of breath to continue? For this experience, oh, if my breath was just smooth and silky, then I could really meditate. Then my practice would really be going somewhere. Or equally, if the breath feels stilted or tight, or our body's experiencing pain or discomfort and it's unpleasant, and the thought can so easily arise, I need this to change, I need to somehow find a way to fix this. And then my meditation practice can really develop. Or if it's neutral, the tendency to disconnect. There's nothing here for me. Nothing I'm getting from this. Nothing it's doing to me. You can see how it very much centers around the sense of self. The habitual reaction tends to arise with a sense of me that wants to get or to get rid of. Or to look for something that has more meaning for me in the case of the neutral. And in noticing that, allowing oneself to just experience it, to notice that aspect of experience, gives us some space from the reaction. If we make conscious the experience of pleasant, unpleasant and neutral, if we start to see that arising dependent upon the sense contact, conditioned by the sense contact, and equally disappearing when the sense contact ends. We see that, in a way, the ephemeral 
and conditional nature of pleasure, of that which is unpleasant, and equally of the neutral experience. So we can begin to not so quickly take hold of it or push it away, not seeking for it to provide us fulfillment, nor seeing it as somehow an obstacle. In a way it's simple to describe, it's not at all easy to undertake what this is pointing to, the implications of this, because it really asks us to reorient, profoundly reorient our life. Not just in the larger sweep and vision of our life, but on a moment-to-moment basis. And to really turn towards the understanding of what is happening in the experience, in the arising of the pleasant, the unpleasant, the neutral, and in the arising of the sense of self with an agenda in relationship to that experience that element of the experience that we call Vedana, the feeling tone, that in itself is quite simple and immediate but very quickly gets picked up and with identification becomes the basis for much more stronger patterns of emotional and feeling experience. Where underlying most experiences that we would call enjoyable, pleasurable emotions is a simple tone of pleasure that we can then build with stories and ideas into, into euphoria, excitement, joy, happiness. And not joy or happiness as the qualities, which are natural and important in fact, but more as stories about how we come to be the owner of these experiences. And likewise with the difficult and painful experiences, anger, judgment, hatred, Jealousy, fear, anxiety, loneliness. Underlying them all as elements of something that's unpleasant, that's hard to bear for us. Which when we don't see it, we then start to build a story about why it is so. Why it is that things are hard or difficult. Seizing on causes in the past, in the present, in the future. And constructing an explanation that locates our sense of self in relationship to that pleasant, sorry, in this case, unpleasant experience. So, to just examine, to explore the nature of pleasant. You know, it seems as an, at an animal biological level, we're driven by this urge to seek which is pleasurable, to avoid that which is unpleasant. And at a survival level, we're wired up for that. That pleasure is associated with food, with safety, with nourishment. That this unpleasant is associated with danger or with food that's actually not, not wholesome for us, that may be dangerous to us. And physical pain clearly to do with injury or to do with, you know, at a very basic level, being eaten. And uh, it's not something that we're looking for, really. In fact, we're looking to avoid that. Understandably. But just seeing that the experience at a moment-to-moment level doesn't necessarily represent safety or nourishment or danger or destruction in terms of pleasant-unpleasant. 
It's simply a quality that's there in all moments. And if we look at it, we see that with the pleasant feeling, although we call it a pleasant feeling, it's pleasurable when it arises or sustains, but it's really unpleasant as it disappears or changes. It flips from the one to the other. So with the pleasant, there's almost always, if we're not conscious, a fear around what will happen when it goes. And that fear actually isn't pleasant at all and leads so quickly to the grasping, to the holding and the contraction. Likewise with the unpleasant. We can notice how that it's painful when it's present, but it's very pleasurable when it goes. One of the most pleasant things we can experience is simply the ending of something painful and just a neutral state. If our mind's been obsessing and dwelling on something sticky and painful or embarrassing for us, when that just eventually runs out of energy, it's just like, oh, this is so good. Oh, this is so sweet. But in fact, it's just a neutral mind state that in another moment we wouldn't be particularly excited by. It's all relative. And seeing, again, the relativity of pleasure and pain. Sometimes what is painful in one context here, where we're kind of quiet and very sensitive, we feel some twinge in our shoulder. In another situation, we wouldn't even notice it. It wouldn't even register in us. It's again, it's relative. It's always relative in that way. And starting to see that, we start to give less weight to that. It's a training because, again, at one level we know about this and yet something in us takes a lot of time to learn this lesson. With the neutral experience, and this I find particularly fascinating in these teachings, with the neutral experience, it's understood, and one can see this in your own experience, that it's pleasant when there is real awareness and presence with it. If we're really in contact with the experience, it's pleasurable. When we're not in contact with it, when we disconnect from it, it's painful. That's a little more, so we wonder, hmm, how does that work? Now, in the classic, uh, in the in the sutra, it's described. Um, this is in Kulaveda, Kulavedala Sutta, in the Majjhima, the middle length sayings. Neither painful nor pleasant feeling is pleasant when there is knowledge of it, and painful when there is no knowledge of it. And what that means, how I understand that, how it makes sense in terms of experience, is that when there's a pleasant experience but we nonetheless stay present with it, we don't follow the underlying tendency to disconnect from the experience, then the very quality of connection and presence with it, that is actually pleasurable. The quality of attentiveness or presence or mindfulness in itself the way of being connected with the experience, there's something in that that's pleasurable or nourishing or we feel it as positive, contributing to a sense of well-being. Because it's not the experience. that, By definition, the experience is neutral. But if we're really with the breath, even though it's a neutral, there's nothing exciting about the breath, but we're really there, sometimes it can be really sweet. And it's the converse of the more 
easily recognisable experience that when things are neutral and there's no real interest in it, we disconnect. And when we say something is boring, it's as if we're saying it's neutral. It's not a problem, but it's not exciting. And yet the experience of boredom in itself is really difficult for most of us. We try and avoid it. We don't like it. It becomes unpleasant because what's happening is a disconnection. And it's the very disconnection that's painful to us. Because the experience is neutral. And yet boredom is not something we enjoy. Boredom is not a neutral experience. So seeing that, it's like we understand, oh, the basic tendency with regard to the pleasant is grasping. With regard to the new, the unpleasant, the basic tendency is aversion. And with regard to the neutral, perhaps the more subtle territory in this, in this area of exploration, it's like the tendency is towards ignorance, i.e. to not know it. And one of the things that we're really training in here is to allow ourselves to know the neutral, to be fully present and interested in it. Because in fact, the vast majority of our experience is neutral. It's just we don't pick it up, we don't pick it out. We pick up the pleasant and we pick up the unpleasant. Because it's like, I've got something to do here. Keep hold of this, get rid of that. And as we start to see how much of the experience is actually neutral, if we stay present with it, it actually, rather than becoming something that leads to boredom, the neutral experience actually provides a ground for equanimity. We start to find we can abide more fully, more deeply, with a sense of ease and openness, to be really in contact with, and yet not swept by, swept away by reactivity to what's taking place. And so as you continue in your practice, and this, you know, there's a relevance equally, this is primarily in terms of insight practice, the investigation of Vedana, the feeling tone of pleasant, unpleasant, or neither pleasant or unpleasant. But equally in the, the development of, of loving kindness and of, of calm, metta and of samatha, it's important to be aware of those tones, to notice what the mind might start to make of them in terms of success or failure, good or bad. And at the same time recognizing that with regard to what the Buddha called unworldly, pleasant experience, this is another whole, that an unworldly in this context is where it arises not out of a seeking for, for gratification in terms of material contact, but that it arises out of our engagement with our spiritual aspiration. That this something about the qualities of well-being that arise in the heart and mind as we settle and steady and connect more deeply, that it's really beneficial and supportive to let ourselves orient towards. And the Buddha spoke about this as a blameless pleasure or a harmless pleasure, something that doesn't lead to grasping, but that allows us to relax, to soften, to open. So in that regard, allowing ourselves to be affected in that way, when there is a sense of openness or fluidity or 
warmth, vibration that, that just has that quality of ease or enjoyableness within it, without going beyond that relaxing into it, into in any way trying to take hold of it. Of course, sometimes there's a, it's a subtle balance to be found in that, but important to explore the possibility. Particularly if there's at times patterns of reactivity that are very strong, that really are pulling and it's hard to let go, to disentangle, to unstick from the story or the reaction, can be useful to ask the question, what's the feeling tone? Oh, it's, it's unpleasant. And okay, what does that feel like just right here and now? Really come into contact with it. If we're fully conscious in our contact with it, there's less likelihood that the reaction will take us so fully and quickly away from being present. Likewise, if something's, there's something pleasurable going on, being aware of that, it has a, and being in contact with that, it gives the mind, the attention, a degree of traction that we can really engage with that counterbalances the pull of grasping, of the attempt to hold on. And so to notice when it's useful for you to give attention in this way. And in this we're on a moment-to-moment level engaged in really one of the most fundamental transformations of our heart and mind that Dharma practice asks of us. And really for our own well-being, the, the shift away from the belief or acting on the belief that pleasure equates to well-being. And that somehow the unpleasant is a problem. Rather than seeking to align our experience in accordance with that view, we're much more invited to understand the deeper well-being that is not dependent on pleasant. But much more revealed in the freedom of heart and mind, from being conditioned by feeling time. The expansiveness of our heart and our life. When we're no longer making our happiness, our satisfaction, our well-being, dependent on that conditioned element of experience. And so, moment by moment here, we have the opportunity to find freedom again and again in the very midst of our experience.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.